Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is God's plan of salvation. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Good to see you all, everybody. Thank you for your notes of encouragement and text this week. I feel better, but I'm still not 100%, so please forgive me. I still can't shake hands yet, uh, but thank you for um, checking up on me. Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for another day of life and the opportunity to come together and to uh, worship together. Be with us now as we look at the great controversy and life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So, kids have interesting ways of communication, especially on YouTube. You Google kids arguing, you're going to get a gold mine of um, good humor. Now, the first time I took my niece and my nephew out, just me, my sister didn't go with me, I'm not going to lie, I was petrified, but that's okay, they're only nine and seven, but uh, I, I promised them that I would take them out for, uh, for dinner. Originally, we were going to go to Blaze Pizza, and we discovered, eh, it's kind of far, and they really weren't in the mood for pizza, so then we thought about all the other alternatives. We went, thought of In-N-Out, we thought of Chick-fil-A, and there was one more, I, I can't remember. But it came down to two, Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out. And so they discussed the merits as I was sitting in the car with them. Which one had the beggars, better, better sandwiches? Which one had the better area to play in? Which one had the better this and that? And then all of a sudden it was decided that they were going to go to the one that had the better dessert. Chick-fil-A won out. So we went over to Chick-fil-A. We had an awesome meal, and it was great. Next time, though, next argument that I observed was there was a mother who was making pancakes for her two boys, Kevin and Ryan. And Kevin and Ryan, I believe they were ages five and four, were arguing over the merit of who would get the pancake first. Because Kevin was older, so he felt it was deemed it was his uh, birthright to get the pa- uh, to get the pancake first. However, Ryan came in a little earlier and helped his mom put breakfast together, so he felt that he could have the pancake first. And as they were arguing over and over, their mother thought, you know, this is a great time and an opportunity to instill a sense of a moral, uh, maybe a lesson on selflessness and patience. To which she said, you know, if Jesus were sitting right here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. To which Kevin responded, all right, Ryan, you just be Jesus. (laughs) And then finally, the third scenario that has probably happened more so, and especially as parents you have dealt with, there were two kids They were playing with a soccer ball in the house, in the living room, 
and one of the kids kicked the ball. The other child hit it, and the ball went and hit the vase, and the vase fell down with the plant and everything, it broke, and it was a mess. Mom comes in and she asks, what happened? And all of a sudden, what do the boys do? They turn on each other and they argue. Well, he did it. He kicked the ball. Yeah, but you touched it. So it, 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 when it hit your hand, it hit the vase. Ultimately, guess what? Both of them were at fault. Arguments, arguments, arguments. I wish life sometimes was much simpler where they could, everybody could decide amicably like my niece and nephew that milkshakes were the best dessert in the world and they were going to go to Chick-fil-A. Life would be simpler. But we find that in life there are disagreements. So much so that at the very beginning there was a huge argument. We find the great controversy begins with the great argument. In fact, Ellen White devotes a whole book to the great controversy. Now, as an Adventist church, a short quote as far as what the great controversy is. This is a summary. All humanity is now involved in a great controversy between Christ and Satan regarding the character of God, his law, and his sovereignty over the universe. This conflict originated in heaven when a created being endowed with freedom of choice and self-exaltation became Satan, God's adversary, and led into rebellion a portion of the angels. He introduced the spirit of rebellion into this world when he led Adam and Eve into sin. This sin, this human sin resulted in the distortion of the image of God in humanity, the distortion of the created world and its eventual devastation at the time of the global flood as presented in the historical account of Genesis 1 through 11. And observed by the whole creation, this world became the arena of the universal conflict out of which the God of love will ultimately be vindicated. To assist his people in this controversy, Christ sends the Holy Spirit and the loyal angels to guide, protect, and sustain them in the way of salvation. I planned ahead. So where did the great controversy originate? Well, we find in Revelation 12, verses uh, 3 through 7 and 9, it says, Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and the seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. In Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism. As we uh, will get through, we'll understand the red dragon being Lucifer, Satan, and the third of the stars, those who are kicked out of heaven. She gave birth to a son. And, and when we say uh, there's a woman, it refers to the church, the child obviously referring to Jesus, the son of God, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God into his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared to her by God where she, will be ta- she might be taken care of for th- 1,260 days. And then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. And in heaven there's this battle between God, Michael also 
we, uh, as Adventists, also sometimes attribute to as the Son of God, the dragon, Lucifer, in symbolism, fight back. And it's there that Lucifer, the dragon, is cast out with a third of the angels. He is hurled down, this ancient serpent called the devil, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So from the biblical narrative, we can look at uh, Revelation 12 as one of the key foundational passages to understanding the great controversy. And much like Adam and Eve, all the, all the beings in heaven as well were given uh, the, uh, the freedom of choice, granted to be able to think. And yet what we find is that even in heaven, Lucifer's head, his ego, got a little too big because he wanted to be just like, if not, God. And so the great controversy is something that's just not limited to a small area. The great controversy is a cosmic, it's a universal issue. This universe is affected by this great controversy, the battle between good and evil, the battle between God and Satan. And where we find this battle more often than not is here and in the heart. Ultimately, whose allegiance do you want to follow? Do you desire God or do you desire to follow the path of destruction towards evil? One other story that we find the great controversy taking place is in Matthew chapter 4. We find that Jesus had been just uh, shortly before baptized And he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Can you imagine going into the wilderness for 40 days? So the Holy Spirit, he leads him out, and he begins to be tempted by the devil. So after fasting, fasting 40 days, how many of you can make it past three days? Not even one. Thank you. Thank you, Gustavo. Bless you, brother. I'm with you. All right? I've gone more than 24 hours, but it wasn't pretty. All right? I like food. But, but there are benefits. I'm not saying fasting is bad. I just don't necessarily react to it very well. But it has its purpose. But Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's there that the tempter, the tempter comes. And he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become what? Those of you who know. Bread. Right? And then Jesus responds, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from where? The mouth of God. So the devil takes him up to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that it will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus also responds. It's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And finally, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kings of all the world and all the splendor. And he's getting to the point because ultimately the devil wants this whole kingdom, this whole world to be on his side. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. A very common ploy for people is 
to be able to gain people is to give them power. And yet Jesus was the Son of God. He was King of the universe. He wanted to downsize to just earth. Doesn't sound like a very good deal. And yet the devil plays with us and tries to give us a little power and it's really only a short sell of trouble in life. Great controversy. Jesus responds, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him wholly. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. Who do we desire to serve? Do we desire to serve God? Do we desire to serve ourselves? Where are our priorities? Many a times, I think it's simple for us to to, take, uh, to put our eyes on ourselves and maybe think we're a little bit more puffed up than we are. But really, if we stray true to our calling, if we're humble and if we remain in Christ, we realize that it is Jesus who is our Lord and not the devil. In Christ is life. In the devil, there is hopelessness. Great controversy. Jesus as well, when he was with his disciples in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, prophet. And then Jesus responds with, but what about, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. The living God that as we have uh, just recently have studied, inspired by the scriptures, we can discover who God is. That this God came and created this whole universe and as well wants to be with us. When we look at the devil, the devil only wants to statue your soul. Only takes, does not give. The Lord desires to give you an abundant an awesome life. Amen? Amen? So why do you want to throw that for pride, for gain, for power? And yet, Satan ultimately, at the end of the day, wants us to question the validity of God, of who Jesus is, and the work that he has done. Ephesians 6 also points out to the fact that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in this heavenly realm. And the great controversy is also very important because it also helps understand how this world is operating. Because there's some good things in this world, I'm not going to lie. I see tales of courage, I see tales of hope and of goodness, but it's far easier to find tales of hopelessness, of fear and of pain. Just as we were talking about last week, Australia has been on fire for a bit. You can see the animals and not only the animals, but the people who are feeling helpless. 
We see helplessness across the people being taken advantage of in different parts of the world. And even here, there are those who here experience helplessness. We suffer tragedy. We suffer misery at times. And the great controversy helps us to understand that it is not a good God who creates evil, but it is of the devil. The great controversy begins with the devil. And it's important that as we understand the great controversy, in order to be able to help understand and see beyond it, we have to stay rooted in the scriptures that God has blessed us with. So search the scriptures. And as well, I'm reminded as well that especially in John, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, the sustainer. And as we look through the, uh, the, the, uh, the book of Acts as well, and especially in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit descends with a force upon all the disciples and has not left this world. Praise the Lord. So within that context, though there is good, though there is evil, we still have a God of faith, of hope that we can trust Him. And a God who has not left us nor abandoned us. And as we look to the cross, we see that the cross is a reflection of God's love for us, does not abandon us. We can take hope in the cross. And pointing to the cross, the next part we find, oh boy, I keep forgetting, the life, death, oops, pressed it too many times, the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ is another fundamental belief in the Adventist church that we look to that provides hope and of encouragement. We find that in Christ's life of obedience to God's perfect will, his suffering, death, and resurrection, God provided the only means of atonement for human sin so that those who by faith accept his atonement may have eternal life and the whole creation may better understand the infinite and holy love of the Creator. This perfect atonement vindicates the righteousness of God's law and the graciousness of his character for it both condemns our sin and provides our forgiveness. The death of Christ is substitutionary. Substitution... I can't read it. Substitutionary and expiatory. Reconciling and transforming. The bodily resurrection of Christ proclaims God's triumph over the forces of evil. And for those who accept the atonement, assures their final victory over death and sin. And it declares the lordship of Jesus Christ here on earth. Praise the Lord. Jesus has conquered the world. Before whom every knee in heaven and on earth will bow. So God, ultimately Jesus, comes into this world. And as we've talked about this about uh, in a bit in the past, Jesus reconciles the world. So much so. Let's do a little reading. Oh, is it not in there? So Jesus takes the initiative. Jesus takes the initiative for our salvation. Because if Jesus does not take the initiative, we are lost. 
That's a bad situation. You ever felt lost before? You ever been stuck in a boat? Drifting? I haven't. I just wanted to say that. Uh, Actually, I take that back years ago. We were in a ski boat. I completely forgot about this. We owned a ski boat at the time, and we were on Lake Paris on the southeast corner near the dam. And it was just at dusk when we were should have been off the off the lake because the lake closed at dusk. That our boat, our ski boat, would not turn on. Fortunately enough, a friend of ours had a jet ski, and this small two-seater jet ski towed an eight-person ski boat all the way back to the harbor. Being stuck was not cool. Unfortunately enough, we were only stuck for 10 minutes. Not a couple days, not a couple weeks, just 10 minutes. But that sense of helplessness of not being able to do anything can be in some ways, it can probably be debilitating, right? Imagine if there was no God. Imagine if there was nothing. And that we're just going through this life trying to be a good person. But yet there's nothing beyond that. It seems that it would be a lonely existence. Amen? But Christ is more than that. So, Christ's ministry of reconciliation is this. Christ's ministry of reconciliation is this. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you choose to believe and accept Jesus, you are what? A new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to him through himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God has not only saved us, but God is actively calling us to be a part of this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making his appeal through us. Because the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not something that is static, it is active, it's moving forward. It should be in us to move us forward. We're called as ambassadors. And he makes his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Because we find that at the end of the day, though Jesus was fully human, was also fully divine, did not sin. And in him took our sin on his back and sacrificed himself for us. Because of Christ, 
It is he who atones our sins and not us. Much like the Israelites in the temples from years ago who would sacrifice a lamb or a dove for their sins, Jesus became the lamb that was led to the slaughter. And Jesus takes this sin and his blood is shed for on our behalf. So Christ atones our sins. And yet, Christ as well gives up his life for a ransom. Christ gives himself up for a ransom. Brian Chappelle tells a story of, uh, he's a pastor somewhere, tells of a story where I believe growing up, there were two brothers who were out. They were playing on uh, a sandbank by a river. And on one particular day, one brother ran up uh, another large mound of sand and unfortunately, the mound of sand collapsed on them. And it caused the weight to sink quickly. When the boys didn't return home from dinner, sorry, somebody's trying to call me. When the boys didn't come home, they sent a search party out. And as they combed the areas, they could see that there was an area of the sand make that had drifted. And as they shined their lights on, they could see the younger boy's head and shoulders sticking out. But because he was so stuck in, he couldn't get out. Finally, they cleared the sand. He, uh, and he was also, he'd been knocked out. He awakened. And the searchers asked, where is your brother? And the brother, the younger brother replied, I am standing on my brother's shoulders. His brother had literally propped him up so that he may be able to have air and to have life. His big brother gave up his life for his little brother. And much like Jesus, who loved us so much that he died and came into this world, died for us, but yet lifts us up that we might be saved. Jesus as well is the ultimate representative of humanity. You know, when we look back, uh, Romans, we talked a little bit about this uh, uh, when we went through our series in Romans. We find in Genesis, we find the first Adam who came into this world, who was made from the dust and built up. And yet we find that in Romans as well, Jesus comes into this world as the second Adam. It's fine that since we have been uh, justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through, death of his, through, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It's the book of Romans. Jesus is, though fully human, fully God, and serves, sorry, he came into this world for us. Because of Jesus, reconciliation in order is brought back. Because of Jesus, we are justified through him. Because of Jesus as well, our works and everything we do is meaningless. We are not saved by what we do, but who we decide to follow. 
And yet we also can enter a relationship with Christ. And because of Jesus, we should be spurred on to share this good news, this gospel with others. That they may as well find hope, may find strength, may find courage, may find peace. They may find a family. Ultimately, Christ's ministry is rooted in his death and resurrection. There's one final story to close. There's a story told of a man many, many years ago near the, on the border of the empire of Cyprus. There lived uh, a man named Cagular who gave uh, Cyprus, uh, Cyrus trouble. His men would come in and attack villages and, and disrupt the border. Eventually he was caught. And as well along, his wife was with him. And when he was standing in court, he saw, they, they looked at Cagular, and they realized he was a strong, tall man, a man of noble manner, magnificent specimen, specimen, specimen of a man. Cyrus, looking at him, said, what would you do should I spare your life? Cagular said, I will return home. Remain an obedient servant to you as long as I live. And then what would I do if I spared the life of your wife? And he responded, Your Majesty, if you spared the life of my wife, I would die for you. And as they made their way home, they could see uh, Cagular, was, they were both let go. As they made their way home, they could see the countryside and they saw all of the province of the area that they had been uh, arrested in. They were leaving, and when they got home, Cagular reminisced with his wife on their journey that they had experienced. He, he, he remembered when they were in the palace of Cyprus, the, tapest, the marble of the entrance of the palace, and the tapestries on the walls and the corridors going into the throne room were magnificent. And the emperor's chair was also magnificent. It must have been carved from one lump of gold. His wife could appreciate his excitement and how impressed he was with it all, but she responded with, I really didn't notice any of that. Cagular, he's thinking, how could you not? How could you not be impressed by all of the, the, the beauty that was in this palace? She responded with, and very seriously looked into his eyes and said, I beheld only the face of the man who said he would die for me. Imagine the love and devotion that this woman had towards her husband. May we have the same love and devotion she had to Kagalar that we have to Christ. May you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. May you love your neighbor as yourself. And be reminded that even though there is a great controversy going, have faith because Jesus has overcome the world. The story is not finished because in the end, Jesus wins. Father in heaven, Lord, today we have briefly gone through 
the great controversy in your life, death, and resurrection and its centrality to our faith. Father, forgive us, for we are sinners. And yet, Lord, you have died for us. Thank you for your grace and your love. Be with us as we now go forth. Give us wisdom. Grant us courage, strength. Lord, may we love well. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.